This episode on Top 2 Poker Podcast. Special guests. Killing Bird. KB. Moving to Canada? Question mark. And the boys answer the listener mailbag. And the boys answer... Chase, what's been going on? What's new in your life? Dr. Drew, not a whole lot, man. It's been on the been on the grind. Yeah, been seeing you create some content and throwing some stuff up on Twitch. Uh, your usual yep. grinds. Been enjoying the Twitch streets. Uh, I was in Colorado for a week and a half, so I had a little Twitch hiatus there. Yeah, talk to us uh, briefly about your trip. Yeah, it was an okay trip. Uh, poker wise, was quite disappointing. I bagged up the chip lead um, in this $1,600 buy in Heartland poker tour and uh, came back on day two and 10 off the money. Had a McNasty cooler, Ace King suited against Aces, like with the guy going all in in between us and the guy slow plays Aces. It was. It was a train wreck, and then I got the needle on the way out. I had Ace King suited, and like Farmer Bob goes, the guy lost his mind, but it was suited. <laughs> you, you just gotta love the Farmer Bob needle. I just got done playing a session last night, and uh, I, I got the Farmer Bob yokel needle quite a bit, and it just <laughs> feels so good. Uh, yeah. So that was no fun. Uh, the trip, uh, it was all right. Uh, I got to see family, which was good. So uh, we're happy to be back home. We've been traveling too much lately, so being home feels good. Oh, I bet. I bet. Being able to be in the comfort of, of home. And it's good that you've settled in. I mean, you've been in Baltimore, what, a little bit over a year, year and a half now? Yeah. Uh, over a year coming up. Yeah, probably about a year and a half at this point. Good. So every time we go back to Colorado, it feels less like home, which is good and bad. You know, good that this is home. Yeah, you've adjusted to the terrible winters and all the other stuff but you know it's uh you gotta so what's going on with you uh with the bad. wedding planning coming along i have well, uh fun plans for bachelor party oh my gosh yeah <laughs> uh well the last week for me it pretty much felt like death crawled inside me had a house party and then decided not to clean up i've been uh fighting a pretty bad cold so i haven't been doing too much i took a couple days off work and wasn't able to even enjoy it just kind of like lounging around the house uh yeah a little bit of like wedding planning and stuff kind of like looking into it we went to visit the yacht that we're going to be uh hosting and met a bunch of the vendors and i mean it was all right um got a sample a bunch of the the food uh, that was kind of the high point of that <laughs> night um yeah i've been playing poker a little bit uh, i've been trying to grind up uh, a little bit of like a wedding steak because uh, the wedding is much more expensive than. Bro, you've been on a straight up heater lately. Yeah, yeah, I broke it last night. I, I was, I won nine out of nine sessions in eight sixteen. It was considering next month or the next couple of months moving up to twenty forty again. Uh, but last night combined running bad with playing worse <laughs> and ended that. Um, went from up three hundred to down four hundred for the day. So meh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been it's felt good to be playing again. Yeah, we might actually get some of your hands on uh, on the podcast when we have more time. Luckily, we do have our good buddy, fellow Twitch streamer, friend of the friend of the pod, Killing Bird, coming on. 
Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I mean, the guy's got a lot of energy. Um, and the one thing you can tell by all the different content he creates is he just he really enjoys playing poker and actually uh, creating all the different uh, types of content he does for everyone in the poker community. Yeah, KB's got the rare gift of passion for poker. The guy's been playing poker around poker for, I mean, a decade plus, and he's still just like having a good time. Really, uh, I mean, he, you know, it's going to talk about even needing to study more. So it says a lot about KB. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing that's, you know, when I started to get back into this and you and I discussed our podcast, um, I was watching some some guys and girls that have pretty large followings, but they just weren't that entertaining. Uh, and it was just really very dry to me. And that's the one thing I like about KB. Yeah, is he, keeps it, he keeps it light. He keeps it entertaining. Um, you know, it really helps. Yeah, I enjoy KB's stream a lot. Well, uh, I think let's go ahead and kick it over to our uh, time with KB. You guys can listen into the master. Nice. Chase, what's been going on? What's new in your life? Dr. Drew. Not a whole lot, man. It's been on the been on the grind. Yeah, been seeing you create some content and throwing some stuff up on Twitch. Uh, your usual yep. grinds. Been enjoying the Twitch streets. Uh, I was in Colorado for a week and a half, so I had a little Twitch hiatus there. Yeah, talk to us uh, briefly about your trip. Yeah, it was an okay trip. Uh, Poker-wise, was quite disappointing. I bagged up the chip lead um, in this $1,600 buy in Heartland poker tour and uh, came back on day two and 10 off the money had a McNasty cooler ace king suited against aces like with the guy going all in in between us and the guy slow plays aces it was it was a train wreck and then i got the needle on the way out i had ace king suited and like farmer bob goes the guy lost his mind but it was suited <laughs> you, you just gotta love the farmer bob needle i just got done playing a session last night and uh i, I got the farmer bob yokel needle quite a bit and it just <laughs> feels so good uh, yeah so uh, that was no fun uh the trip was it was all right uh got to see family which was good so uh we're happy to be back home we've been traveling too much lately so being home feels good oh i bet i bet being able to be in the comfort of of home and it's good that you've settled in i mean you've been in baltimore what a little bit over a year year and a half now yeah uh over a year coming up yeah probably about a year and a half at this point so every time we go back to Colorado, it feels less like home, which is good and bad. You know, good that this is home. Yeah, you've adjusted to the terrible winters and all the other stuff, but you know, it's uh, you gotta so what's going on with you? Uh, with the bad. Wedding planning coming along. I have well, uh, fun plans for bachelor party. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the last week for me, it pretty much felt like death crawled inside me had a house party and then decided not to clean up i've been uh, fighting a pretty bad cold so i haven't been doing too much i took a couple days off work and wasn't able to even enjoy it just kind of like lounging around the house uh yeah a little bit of like wedding planning and stuff kind of like looking into it we went to visit the yacht that we're going to be uh hosting and met a bunch of the vendors and i mean it was all right um got a sample a bunch of the the food uh, that was kind of the high point of that night. Um, yeah, I've been playing poker a little bit. Uh, I've been trying to grind up uh, 
a little bit of like a wedding steak because uh, the wedding is much more expensive than. Bro, you've been on a straight up heater lately. Yeah, yeah, I broke it last night. I I was I won nine out of nine sessions in eight sixteen. It was considering next month or the next couple of months moving up to twenty forty again. Uh, but last night combined running bad with playing worse <laughs> and ended that. Um, went from up three hundred to down four hundred for the day. So meh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been it's felt good to be playing again. Yeah, we might actually get some of your hands on uh, on the podcast when we have more time. Luckily, we do have our good buddy, fellow Twitch streamer, friend of the friend of the pod, Killing Bird, coming on. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I mean, the guy's got a lot of energy, um, and the one thing you can tell by all the different content he creates is he just he really enjoys playing poker and actually uh, creating all the different uh, types of content he does for everyone in the poker community. Yeah, KB's got the rare gift of passion for poker. The guy's been playing poker around poker for, I mean, a decade plus, and he's still just, like, having a good time. Really, uh, I mean, he, you know, he's going to talk about even needing to study more. So it says a lot about KB. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing that's, you know, when I started to get back into this and you and I discussed our podcast, um, I was watching some some guys and girls that have pretty large followings. But they just weren't that entertaining. Uh, and it was just really very dry to me. And that's the one thing I like about KB. Yeah, is he, keeps it, he keeps it light. He keeps it entertaining. Um, you know, it really helps. Yeah, I enjoy KB's stream a lot. Well, uh, I think let's go ahead and kick it over to our uh, time with KB. You guys can listen into the master. Nice. The man that needs no introduction, the myth, the legend, Twitch streamer, Derek Killingbird Tenbush. What's going on, KB? Uh, not too much. Just uh, like I said, recovering from a long night's grind and uh, trying to figure out what to do with the rest of my week. I'm actually kind of thinking about taking a few days off and putting in some study time because I haven't done that in a while, and, uh, and I don't feel like I played particularly good yesterday. So I think I think it's time to like actually go back to work. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I hear you. It's hard to get that steady time in when you're a content creator, because you always just want to be putting stuff out there. What's that like? Yeah, it's it's a weird, it's a hard balance, uh, especially between the sort of multiple platforms that I guess I'm trying to put stuff out in. So you're sort of constantly just sort of juggling, and the the easiest thing to skip out on is uh, studying, like you know, because in order to create the content. Well, some of the time, at least, you have to play. So you can put the time in at the tables, and you know you can obviously record and, and Twitch stream and write uh, blogs and all this other stuff that you want to do. But studying is just like so easy to be like, eh, I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So let's rewind. How did you even get into poker? I don't know if I've ever heard your story, like how you got in, how you started TP. Yeah, so I um, I was in the music business for about 15 years. And towards the tail end of that, I, I had moved to uh, North Carolina, where I, where I live now. And then I spent two more years working in the, in the music industry and then got laid off and kind of decided, like, with the way things were going at the time, with, like, downloading and everything, like, the music industry was just contracting and not expanding and it was much becoming much more about like 
numbers and being run by bean counters. And I just kind of felt like my time in that industry had had passed. And I was like, I don't really want to do that anymore. So while I'm sitting around trying to figure out what the heck to do with my life, um, my wife and I walked into a bar to go out to, to go out to lunch. And there was a flyer on the door, like free Texas Hold'em tournaments every Monday and Wednesday or something. And I'm like, oh, I've seen that on TV. That looks, that looks pretty fun. So I started going to this thing essentially as like a, a way to make sure I, I didn't just sit in my house and watch TV all day because I didn't have a job. I didn't have, you know, I hadn't lived here that long. So I hadn't even really created that much of a social circle. So I'm just like, I have to go and do something. So I started going to these games and, you know, lost all the time, but it was free. It was like you win like a $50 gift card or something. The bar tab. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but it was a lot of fun and I met a lot of cool people. And then eventually I started to get halfway decent. I started picking up books and, and reading forums and stuff like that. And then eventually I guess I played enough uh, and people came to trust me enough that they'd be like, hey, by the way, there's also a game in the back room. And that one we actually played for real money. And I was like, whoa, real money? Okay. (laughs) So I kind of got into that. And then somebody's like, oh, do you play online? You should check out Full Tilt. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. Um, And it just kind of grew from there into where I was playing, you know, not like professionally, but just sort of as a pretty semi-serious hobby, I guess. Um, So around this, so this is when I get into 2 plus 2. And this is right around the time where 2 plus 2 was like still a really viable. like yeah like a viable productive place to like learn <laughs> yeah, and meet people back in the day where people discussed real strategy <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it was also just as the whole like sort of troll concept was starting to come about you know <laughs> so slowly but surely like you'd post a big hand history and somebody be like fold pre loser or whatever you know <laughs> and it got to the point where i just wasn't that fun to hang out there so a bunch of us sort of split off started our own uh, poker forum which was called lol nice squeeze and there was probably, <laughs> I, know, I still love that name. Um, there were probably 45, 50 of us in there. And a bunch of the guys from there have, have gone on to be like pretty successful, either online or live poker players. Like Amir SF, who final tabled the main event a couple years ago, was a member of that. Guys like Hit the Panda. Uh, and some people who ended up being pros for us, like Andrew Brokus was a member. Um, so that, oh, nice. so that, And that's where I met... Um, Diego, who's my business partner at TPE. So, you know, we kind of learned that we were, we were both into poker. We had similar lives. You know, I had a son. He had two kids. We both had jobs. Um, you know, we both had, we were both married. Whereas a lot of the other people were like 22-year-old kids and stuff. So we just sort of, I guess, bonded over that. And we also kind of learned that we both had sort of a passion for, for like startup culture and entrepreneurship and things like that. And we're like, what if we started a poker company? That would be kind of fun. We literally sat down and brainstormed probably 30 or 40 ideas um, and just kind of settled on the idea of a training site, mainly because we, we couldn't find one that we really liked um, because they weren't, A, focused exclusively on tournaments, which is all we played, and B, there was no sense of community in any of them, so that, like, that thing that was missing from places like 2 Plus 2 at the time. So we decided to go for it. We, we wrote a business plan. We spent six months building the company. And we were like, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but if it doesn't, worst case, we lose a little bit of money and had kind of funds starting a first company. And uh, it's been six years and it's still going, so it's been amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's way cool stuff. Yeah, it's been it's been a really fun run. It's you know it's so great to be able to do what you like for a living, as you guys probably know, and it's just like so rewarding to be able to work for yourself every day. Definitely. 
So KB, for those of us that uh, are not as familiar with you, talk to us about what you do now. Like, what are your regular games you're playing in, and talk to us a little bit more about all the content you create and all the different venues you put out in. Sure. So I, um, I'm not like a instructor at TPE. So I, you know, I, I uh, the co CEO there, and I and I essentially manage marketing. So a lot of what I'm doing over there is essentially. You know, compiling articles from our pros and, you know, writing some blogs and, and taking care of all of our sort of social media content. So that's all that all on the TPE side. Um, and then I also have my Twitch stream where I'm, I'm a partnered streamer over at Twitch. So I do that probably, well, it used to be probably four nights a week on average, and it's kind of creeped down to maybe more like three and it feels like it could go to even less with the lack of time um so i stream exclusively tournaments on on the u.s facing sites everything sort of from like 11 dollars up to 109s and occasionally bigger so just sort of your average sort of mid-stakes grinder i guess you could say so i'm doing that i've also just kind of started to put together the set you know what 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 i'd like to eventually be a pretty cool youtube channel but it's in the very early stages at this point so i'm just kind of throwing stuff up there as a in a way to like start building subscribers and stuff uh and we'll kind of you know hopefully turn it into something bigger eventually and then as part of sort of tpe and other things like i i find myself just doing tons of podcasts so i actually host three podcasts and then edit produce and sort of upload and market uh, a fourth which is the the chirp herm show that that mark dipthrong herm does what are the other three i know tp podcast and your midsticks living yeah so there's tournament poker edge podcast which is sort of our strategy podcast there's midsticks living which is more of like a podcast meant to give people the glimpse a glimpse into the life of sort of your average everyday poker players um and then we have another one called Tournament Poker Edge Live, which is basically it comes it kind of comes and goes because we only do it when we're at events. So primarily that means like while we're in Vegas for the World Series for two months every summer, we sort of churn out episode after episode of that podcast, um, and then it just sort of ends until I show up at another <laughs> event. So there like probably won't be another one of those until I don't even know when my next. I was going to go to. Uh, the Punakana Poker Classic, but I don't think I am now. So it'll probably be like PCA will be the next episode of that. So that one kind of comes and goes. And then, like I said, the Chirp Perm Show, I'm not involved in the actual recording or, you know, the, the hosting of it or anything. That's more of just back-end stuff. So, yes, yeah, so I have that going on, too. And then just because I need more work in my life, <laughs> um, I, sort of away from poker, I also do... Uh, sort of, for lack of a better word, like marketing consulting for a uh, a craft brewery here in Raleigh, North Carolina, called Lowrider Brewing Company. Um, oh, you're in it just for the beer perks, huh? What's that? You're you're just in it for the free uh, beer, pretty much. Yeah, yeah it was kind of it was very much like how I got into the so the whole TP and, and the poker thing. I, I just had gotten really into craft beer. I enjoyed it. I was started making my own. I was sort of infatuated with it. I was just like, I want to. I'm gonna go work at a brewery. That sounds like fun. <laughs> so I just kind of started talking to people and I just, you know, networked my way to the point where I could get myself a job. And, uh, and it's, I don't, I don't want to call it a part-time job, but it's more just sort of, I come and go as I please. Um, and I've been doing it for four years and it's a blast. So much fun. It reminds me of the music business when the music business was cool. <laughs> 
Nice. Is that where all your beer comes from? I see you. I see you drink on stream. I see you throw the sunglasses on, playing online poker <laughs> behind a monitor. I know there's obviously strategic decisions going into these things, but tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So a lot of that has kind of come from like uh, sort of running. Well, not so the the drinking part is just I really enjoy beer. Now sometimes I I have too many, and that's obviously not plus EV, and I don't recommend it for anybody out there who's trying to make a go at being a poker player. Um, and, and but what ended up happening was like my first few streams I ever did. Like a lot of times when I first started, there'd be like five people watching, and it wasn't very fun to be honest. So I would just like crack a beer and, you know, I'd sip on it for two hours and maybe have one or two a night or whatever. But then it kind of became to the point where it was like, it's like, Oh, what are you drinking tonight? KB. And then if I wasn't drinking, people would be like, dude, get a beer, <laughs> crack a beer. And then people would start donating to buy me a beer. And the next thing I know, it, was, it just sort of became expected. Oh boy. That's awesome. Yeah. You got to drink a beer. Every time. Yeah. Which is, Sort of good or bad, I guess. But um, yeah. but then you got you got to do the old school hustle of like, you know, tip the waitress ten bucks and be like, hey, bring me some, uh, <laughs> bring me some watered down coke. And then, I know. Yeah. The problem is the closest thing I have to a waitress is my wife. And last night she actually came downstairs while I was streaming with a with a growler full of beer that I had brought home, and she's like, you really need to drink this tonight or it's going to go bad. <laughs> I'm just like, you're not oh, helping my cause here. <laughs> But so, yeah, so through all of that process, like a lot of sort of running jokes have come along. Like, so the sunglasses is one of them because in a very early stream, I got blitzed, put on and put on sunglasses <laughs> and a hoodie to like to hide my tells from my opponents through the monitor, apparently. So now whenever I have had like maybe even just one too many viewers, people are like, dude, you got to put the shades on. So then the shades go on. <laughs> um, yeah, but so it's a lot. It's it's a lot of fun, but it's not it's not particularly healthy. Like I'm definitely getting heavier and my liver hurts. So I need to start getting myself in shape. <laughs> I think Twitch is just such a great, uh, format. I hadn't really been keeping up with it myself until I watched Chase's stream. And, uh, I also play league of legends a little bit, Hearthstone. Uh, mm. it's, it's amazing guys like you that are turning out, uh, not only just some good content, but making it fun for everyone as well. Chase tries to keep it lively. Uh, I think it's just great. Yeah, I like Chase's stream a lot. There's a there's sort of a handful of guys who I have have sort of gravitated towards. I think that I actually enjoy their streams, and it's ironically not most of the bigger ones. Yeah, Ma mainly again, I think it goes back to that whole sense of community. Like I like a stream where it's small enough that I feel like I can actually have a conversation with not only the streamer but the other people in the chats. Um, so that number sort of sits really comfortably between like. 30 and like 150 or something and once you get too much over that many people it becomes pretty tough to to feel like you're actually interacting with the people yeah it's kind of big fish little pond or a little fish in a big pond yeah you do get that sense of community when it's just you know you know everyone in chat it's all the regulars yeah. It's almost like being in a small poker room versus going to commerce where you're just like, you are two letters that's on the board right. <laughs> as Andrew. Andrew's a floor at the commerce. So, oh, yeah, so he, knows he knows all about it. Yeah. I think Twitch is super cool. I think it's, um, it, it's potentially a really good way to bring new, uh, people into the game of poker, uh, especially as it's, it's sort of crept less and less away from being on television and stuff. So it's not so front and center for the average American to, to watch or average, person in the world to watch um yeah i think it's a really cool opportunity especially for like younger kids to be seeing it which 
you know, I guess you could have some moral and ethical debates about whether or not you want like 16 year old kids watching guys play poker and, and then dreaming of growing up to do it. But, um, I, it, you know, from a standpoint of being good for the game, I think Twitch might be our like next big opportunity for a boom. Definitely agree. So, well, Drew, should we, should we do our quick fire section? Yeah, we, we have something cooked up here. Uh, since you're our first guest, and uh, we wanted to kind of hit you with a bunch of just random fun questions uh, to get awesome. to know you. Uh, so we're going to give you... Chase, do you want to keep it to those four, or just keep going down the list for a bit? Uh, we'll start out with those four, and if we need some more, we'll, we'll line them up. Okay. You want to go ahead, Chase? All right. Four questions, or more. 40 seconds, or more. Whatever. <laughs> to get to know you better. Awesome. KB. Answer these. How many square feet of pizza are eaten in the U.S. each year? Oh my God! It's got to be like, it's got to be like two hundred million square feet. <laughs> <laughs> if you were eighty years old, what would you tell your children? Um, get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, You're a new addition to the crayon box. What color would you be, and why? Blacker than black. Wow, it's a little racially charged. <laughs> well, well, we got to hear the why though. Uh, it, it seemed like the like the Spinal Tap thing to say. Like they have a song called "Blacker Than Black" or something. Okay, as long as it's okay. a song and not a uh, <laughs> pigmentation Surely, thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was like it, it's kind of like the speakers being turned to eleven. Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> okay. Um, how does the internet work? Uh, it's a series of tubes. Yes, you oh my gosh, that's exactly what you said. Uh, uh, Drew had no idea what that reference was, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I need to get this for I you." I wonder if that's an age thing, or uh, well, I don't know how old you are, Chase. I'm not sure if we're in the same ballpark or not. Uh, I'm 29. Oh no, so I'm older than you. Yeah, uh, I'm 32. I should know that one. Oh, um, hmm. do you believe in Bigfoot? Oh my god, K- Big Dog Pocket Vibes will hate me, but no, I don't. <laughs> He literally wants to go on a hunt for a Bigfoot, and I'm like, nah, I'm out. Now, I do think I mean, there's a lot of creatures out there that we haven't even discovered yet. I just don't think Bigfoot's one of them. Fair enough. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's a right answer to that question. Probably not. Um, if you could throw a parade through an office, what type of parade would it be? Hmm. It would have to be like a like a parade involving beer i think like a drinking parade drunk people parading through the office oh so, so like st patrick's day basically <laughs> so or, tu- or tuesday uh, basically the st patrick's day parade yeah, yeah. or kb stream night <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay uh why is a tennis ball fuzzy um wow i just dumped him that's a great question. I, it has to have something to do with like gripping on the clay, like floor or what? What do they call that? A course? No, I don't play tennis. I don't know what you call it. a yeah, court. tennis court. A tennis court. court. Yeah, I feel like it has to have something to do with that. That actually might be correct. That's crazy. I never thought about that. I know we're asking questions. I wasn't expecting no all the answers for that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, that concludes our rapid fire section. That was I feel awesome. like I know you a little better, man. Series of tubes. Well done. <laughs> that was fun, actually. I like that. 
<sighs> Where do we go from there? I don't know. Oh, I do have one question. Mark Aliotto, is that guy as fun to hang out with in real life as he seems on the podcast? <laughs> he is uh, maybe more fun in real life. He's actually, see, we didn't know each other before TPE. In fact, we didn't even know each other when I started TPE. He kind of came in later as an owner. Um, and he's become one of my like best friends in the world. I mean, partially because we live together every summer in Vegas. Um, but we just all, we talk all the time uh, about poker, about life about sports about all kinds of stuff and yeah he's uh he is a legit fun dude to be around that's for sure mainly be mainly because we both like to bust each other's balls and we can both take it like i don't think we in four years of or four i guess maybe five years of knowing each other i don't think we've ever gotten offended by anything that either of us said to said to each other and we rip on each other a lot <laughs> so yeah he's a blast nice speaking of tp guys I don't know if you can talk about this, but why did Big Dog Pocket Fives get kicked off of Twitch? Like, I saw a thread on 2 Plus 2, but I really haven't looked into it. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't mind talking about it. I don't think he'll mind either, because he basically, like, capitalized it, or capitalized on it as a marketing opportunity when it happened, and went on every podcast he could find to talk about it. So, um, well so he's actually not, to jump to the end, he's actually not banned from Twitch anymore. He was only banned for, I think, 48 hours, or... Maybe like three days or something. Um, but basically, he was streaming a poker session. And then he, when he busted, he like, you know, said, oh, all right, guys, see you later. I'm out of here. Shut down all his tables, but didn't shut down OBS. And then decided he was going to enjoy some good old-fashioned pornography in the, oh my. <laughs> in the uh, oh. privacy of his own basement. Um, <laughs> so a lot of times you'll see people like... Uh, on the forums and stuff, they'll say like, yeah, he got banned for, you know, masturbating on stream or whatever, <laughs> but that actually never happened. And there's, there's video out. If you look, if you search long and hard enough, you, I think you can probably still find it long and hard enough. That was not, a <laughs> pun. that was not an intentional pun. Um, but it, so basically like, you know, basically he, he popped open a screen, started flicking through like a few different movies. In fact, I don't even know if you ever, got to watching any actual porn. He was just like flipping through like the the sort of titles and stuff and the like the preview <laughs> pictures. And then all of a sudden people started texting <laughs> him and going, "Dude, you're still on Twitch. You're still on Twitch." So then he oh, so wow. then he turned it off and you know, moved on. But he he always joke, like people will people will say, "Oh yeah, you were you were masturbating on stream." And he was like, "No, but I would have." He was, <laughs> he was I just want to be clear, I didn't, but I was definitely about to. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so he got a, a, a temporary ban for that. But I think, you know, luckily they realized it was just clearly an accident. Uh, he didn't intend to. Because there's been plenty of people who have intentionally streamed bad things on Twitch, and they get the boot. But he, his mm -hmm. was just obviously just an accident. So they let him back. True. But he hasn't streamed in a while. I don't, I'm not actually, to be honest, I'm, I get asked almost every stream when he's going to stream again. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't talked to him, but I plan yeah. to. Does I'm, he I'm have a Twitch partnership? Him. Yes, he does. Oh, wow. Man, you'd think be all over that. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think for him in particular, it got to be uh, particularly tough because, man, like the, nobody attracted the trolls quite like he did. <laughs> yeah, um, he's a troll. Man. I can see that. Yeah, so he, like, I think it just got to be a little too annoying you know especially when you start going on a downswing and like when you're when you're winning and people are trolling it's it's fun you know you just laugh back at them and be like yeah but look at all the money i'm making 
But then all of a sudden you start downswinging. It's just like, okay, now I'm losing money. I'm not having fun streaming, and people are making fun of me for being fat. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get back to KB. So, Ignition, are you are you making the switch to Ignition, or are you going exclusively ACR now? I think. I'm going exclusively ACR, and I play a little bit on Carbon as well. Um, and I've talked about this a, a fair amount on my stream, but I, I'm kind of interested to get other people's takes on it, especially people who stream, because well, I used to really miss the synchronized breaks before I started streaming, like not, not having them because Ignition doesn't have them. So basically right. you never get that five-minute break to like sort of catch your breath. But then what I found is once I started streaming, I really missed it. And I think it was, I think it was really detrimental to my health, <laughs> my EV as a poker player, uh, my, like, my EV as a streamer. Like, it was just, it's just bad to, to sit for like 12 straight hours and never stand yeah. up and get a break. Except, you know, to maybe run to the bathroom as fast as you can, <laughs> use the bathroom and run back and maybe sometimes wash your hands and maybe sometimes not because you don't, you know, you don't want to miss a hand. So I, when I went to Vegas this past summer, I was p- playing pretty much just on WSOP.com when I would stream. And I didn't even do it that many times, maybe like four or five times. I think I streamed from there. And I was like, oh, man, it's really great to have breaks again. And like you can actually stand up, stretch, grab a drink, you know, maybe, maybe even get in some exercise on, in that five-minute break. Uh, use the bathroom, talk a hand over with somebody, and then boom, sit back down and go back to playing. So when I got back to, to North Carolina and got back on the grind, I started just sort of skipping a bunch of Bovada tournaments. And I love it, man. I, I don't know if I can go back, to be honest. Um, yeah. And- I'll tell you what. Early when I started streaming, I said, you know what? People, I might lose some viewers on break, but I just, the breaks are valuable, man. Yeah. I need to go to the bathroom. I need to get a drink. I need to say hi to my wife. Like, sometimes I call Drew and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at the final table. Talk me through the sand. Yep. But I agree. It's pretty valuable just to have break time in poker to let your brain just reset. Yeah. And I've, like I've said uh, a few times on my stream, I think if I were a professional, a quote unquote professional poker player and that all my income came from the grind, I might play more on Ignition because it still is probably the softer of the sites. Um, But I'm not. So like, I don't see why I should like make myself miserable and unhappy <laughs> to just make a little bit more money, you know? So I've just kind of showered it for now. I might, you know, I still think there's going to be days where I'm like, I don't know, I bust a few tournaments and I, and I have like two tables left and I'm like, I might as well fire up the ACR 30 or I'm sorry, the ignition 30 K or something. Um, but I haven't played on there in probably two weeks and I don't really feel like, I want to, <laughs> so we'll see. But as of now, like I'm not saying I'll never play there, but as of now, I'm not. So. Yeah, I have a friend that's a grinder, and he was grinding sit and goes exclusively, and he said that the rake back on ignition is considerably worse than it used to be on Bovada. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, and for him, he's a volume guy, so I mean, he's certainly profitable sit and goes, but being a volume player where he's playing thousands of sit and goes, it was enough for him to considered like moving his money wow interesting yeah and now i'm seeing and i have done very little research into it but i'm seeing all these articles and stuff about the doj coming after u.s sites again and stuff have you seen any of this no is that recent like a couple days yeah like just in the last couple of days um i don't remember what i i thought i had the links up on my computer but i'll send them to you guys after uh after we finish up 
But yeah, and again, I, I didn't, and I, I'm really bad about knowing much about the legal landscape of online poker. So like, I get asked a lot because of my connection with TPE and stuff, I guess. But I, I'm like, I'm so dumb about it. I just kind of go, I don't know. I put my money on the site. And I, <laughs> I play and I hope I get <laughs> yeah. it back. Um, but some sort of partnership between the DOJ and the Kanawane Gaming Commission or whatever that organization. The KGC, yeah, they're. I, aren't they the most prolific uh, online regulator? I think so. And basically, this article was saying they're essentially partnering up to possibly shut down all of these U.S. facing sites. But I don't know what that means. Like, yeah, what does that mean? Because the KGC gets money to license these people. It's like the DOJ going to cut them in on the money that they steal. That's man, that's dirty. Yeah, it seems really dirty. And I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just as simple as like somebody like Ignition just going, oh well, we'll just go to this other regulatory commission, or we just won't right. be regulated. <laughs> we'll just leave. Um, I'm not sure what the what the ramifications of that are, but it's somewhat scary, I guess. Especially. That's definitely scary. Yeah. I mean, especially when we have such limited options. I live in Maryland, and I actually can't play on Ignition slash Bovada. Maryland, they won't accept new Maryland customers. Oh, so that's one of those say. Yeah, I know there's a few states like that where yeah. people are like, oh, no, I live in Kentucky. I can't play there. I'm like, what? <laughs> I guess yeah. it's the one time where North Carolina is more progressive than some, some other states. <laughs> right. we, we actually could play anywhere, but they probably just haven't gotten around to shutting it down yet. I'm sure they'll try. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. Like, I've... T- I've considered moving um out of the country but again like not being a quote-unquote professional poker player just doesn't seem as important to me to go play on stars or or something so as long as i could play i was happy but the problem is if it goes away then do i just completely stop playing And, and especially here like we don't have casinos i can't go to i mean i can go to maryland live but it takes me five and a half hours um i mean our closest casino is cherokee which is about five hours away and it really only has good tournaments during the circuit events. It doesn't even really have good tournaments the rest of the year. So I'd, I'd basically be screwed if, if the online, online sites went away. Yeah, there's a surprising amount of the country that has no access to uh, casinos. Yeah. I and mean, as much as casinos have sprouted up all over, there's still a lot of people that would just be out of luck if they couldn't play on their little podunk American-facing site. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Have you guys ever considered moving out of the country? to play you know i thought about it after black friday mm-hmm. but i i couldn't pull the trigger based on family ties yeah yeah that makes it tough i mean i have a son in college here in in north carolina so it, it, in a way that i guess could make it easier for me because I, I don't have kids to move to other countries um but you also kind of you know especially my wife like she wants to be closer to him and be able to have him come visit and all that fun stuff. But I'm like, he can visit us in the Bahamas. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think what I might start doing is just sort of treating America and North Carolina specifically as like my home base and just sort of traveling around, you know, head to Canada for a few weeks here and there, head to Mexico for a few weeks here and there. Is the wife cool with that? Like either joining you or you being away for a while? Yeah. She's, she's been always, well, I think especially from when we met, I was in a band. So I toured a lot and stuff. And then I was in the music business and then I was in the poker industry. So she's always just kind of known. Well, she's never known anything. She, other she than, was signing up for Yeah. So like I, you know, for, for the last five years, I've, I've left for pretty much the entire month of June and July to go to Vegas and, she, the first year she came up to visit, and then after that she was like, 
Vegas sucks. You you can just go by yourself. I'm never coming to visit. I'll see you in two months. It's actually seven weeks. I always say two months, but it's like seven weeks. But yeah, so she's super cool about it. So I think I might just do that. You know, it saves me from having to do all the relocation stuff. Uh, I don't have to move my dogs. My my wife and I can still be close to my son, but I can still travel. Maybe just go play like series and stuff. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. When I see people playing like W Coop and stuff, I'm just like so. Dr- no, I don't want to play like the you know the. 1500 buy-ins and stuff i just want to go play like the 27 progressive knockouts <laughs> yeah like let me have all those on it i've thought about it but honestly i'm scared that i would be an online fish anymore as much as the rest of the world has progressed and america hasn't i'm really terrified that i would be among the bottom of the regs yeah i i think i mean that's probably i mean i i, <laughs> I might be at the bottom of the regs in america so i think that would certainly be true for me for me at least in canada um but i think it would be fun from a content producer standpoint you know like kb goes to canada to play (laughs) soup or whatever um so it's almost like this sounds terrible but it's almost like i would be going expecting to lose (laughs) but knowing that i could make some revenue back in turn from content production so um but hey, you know, you never know too. You might just might just bink something. Plus, I feel like being a nit, which I am, has to work well in those knockout tournaments. I want to play. Basically, if you can't tell, I'm infatuated with these super progressive knockouts. Like I watch people play them, and I'm so jealous. I just want. I know, man. Those can't became popular after Black Friday, and I've played like zero of them. Yeah, you, probably you too. Yep, I've never played one in my life, and I, I sit there and watch like even like small stakes ones. You know, like I'll be watching like Matt Staples or something play like an eleven dollar one. I'm just like. I want to do that. <laughs> it looks yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Like you guys can have spinning goes because I don't enjoy those at all. Just give me progressive knockouts one time. So one of these days I'll make the trip. All right. Well, uh, let's. Uh, why don't you tell us how uh, we can get in contact with you? How people can follow you? And uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, so a variety of ways you can go to twitch.tv slash killingbird. That's my Twitch channel. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, which is kind of complicated, but it's at Derek Tenbush, which is my real name. D-E-R-E-K, 10, like the number, and Bush, like the beer. And then uh, I've really been trying to uh, step up my Snapchat game. So I'm at Killing Bird on Snapchat as well. So people can check me out there. I still don't understand that Snapchat thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slowly figuring it out. I needed my, my college age son to teach me how to use it, and now i got to figure yeah. it out. <laughs> All right, dude. And then we're uh, we're going to be in for a Where in the World is Killing Bird uh, book coming to Barnes & Noble near you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> in your like plaid shirt <laughs> that we pick you out of a crowded room. Sunglasses and all. <laughs> That's great. Right on, KB. Well, I think that'll do it for the pod. And uh, everyone, give, give KB a follow. Check out all of his stuff. And uh, it's been great having you, KB. We're back. Well, I guess we're not coming back. Scratch that. We're here. <laughs> after never KB's left. We never left. We're just in the editing room, making it all seem to flow <laughs> until I said, we're back. But we're, we are back. Good death, KB. <laughs> the, the guy plays a lot of Twitch, and he's a good time, and I enjoy KB a lot. Yeah, if you ever just want to casually watch him fire it up with sunglasses and a beer... Uh, please feel free to support the guy. I mean, he's really awesome. We really enjoyed having him. Well, uh, we do have some mailbag that we wanted to hit on. Mailbag Props, time? props to the mailbag? guys who uh, mailed in the show. 
Love it. Yeah. Scott. We really appreciate uh, it. Scott and Zach, you guys are going to get your custom top two answers. The top two answers to your questions coming at you. So let's get into it. Scott. Scott wrote a number of questions. We're going to hit two of them today. Scott asks, what's your view on the sustainability and overall goodness of lifestyle that strictly live cash pros starting out today will have when, when compared to their peers? That was a long question. So what's your view on the sustainability and the uh, life condition of live cash game pros compared to peers? Let's uh, let's break that down in a couple parts. What do you think about the overall sustainability, Chase? Uh, um, well, for- I know from experience in terms of live cash, markets are going to go in and out. So, like, for instance, me and Andrew met in Seattle. The Seattle market was a surprisingly strong poker market when I was young, when we were both younger. It was probably behind L.A. and Vegas. I think Seattle was like up there number three, probably. Yeah, it was on I par with the so. Northeast East Coast casinos in terms of the poker scene. And uh, we've actually seen the Seattle market constrict. So I think over the course of like a decade or so, these live markets do um, take their swings. And, you know, as a whole, the industry has been, you know, up and down and more down as of late, but there are still booming poker markets. So, well, and I, th- I think, you know, my opinion is with sustainability in general, um, especially when it pertains to poker, a lot of it depends on how dynamic you can be. Because in theory, we are seeing some some not great trends, which is we're seeing less and less people play poker. But, I mean, what do you really need? You only need eight people, maybe four people, sometimes one person to play poker that plays decidedly worse than you do in whatever format to make a living. Um, so if you can find that soft game, like I know, Chase, you moved from Colorado because there was very little you could play, you know, there. Um, that made sense for your bankroll, your skill and ability set, you know, so Baltimore made a lot more sense to you. And, and I think that's kind of what, unfortunately, new and newer poker players are going to be faced with, which is they can't just um, be living remote areas and step into stars and full tilt like we did um, and a lot of other sites that were popping up when we were starting to play. When you don't have that, the sustainability is still there. It's just what are you willing to do? Like what we discussed earlier with KB, are you willing to relocate? Um, Stuff like that. I think in the poker market right now, relocating may be a mandatory requirement if you're going to grind live cash. There's only, I mean, I could probably count it on one hand. There's LA, Vegas, um, where I'm at, the Maryland area, uh, Florida, and maybe like you could go like even farther north, like Borgata and uh, like Foxwoods. But I mean, I think that's even a stretch. There's guys that do it, but I don't think you're going to be, you're going to have a much lower ceiling there. So you're really going to have to be where the game's at. If you're a live cash bro, um, the days yeah, of grinding in your underwear are uh, sadly gone. Or nomadically, you're going to have to follow the tournament scene. I mean, there, there's still opportunity out there. I think it's just, it's starting to get more and more limited. Um, so I think this, the sustainability is a good question. It's a good thing to be thinking about. Um, 
but a lot of that's very hyper personalized to to your own skill set. Uh, you know, some people have different family uh, considerations. It's just right. it really depends on the person. The goodness of lifestyle part of that, I think, when you mention traveling around to play the poker circuit, that's where like goodness of lifestyle. Honestly, I think the pros that grind the circuit uh, are at least limited in their life situation. Like I've seen people try to do it with kids and from my observations, it usually doesn't go well for their family life. So, um, yeah. And, and it, well, I was just well, going to say that grinding cash is probably the way that you're going to do it. And it is unstructured, but you do have the opportunity to have whatever kind of structure that you choose. Yeah. And, and the lifestyle question, it's, it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, I know, my dad was a traveling salesman for many years and, and for like, if he was a single guy, he would have loved it. Um, but with a family, it's something that just really wore on him, uh, staying in, in hotels and always, always on the road. And I think similarly for poker, I mean, there's certain people that the weird hours, uh, you know, all those things are agreeable for, and some people love that. And some people, you can tell it beats on them. And, and even at, at commerce, I see it every day. There's certain people that they, they, they really, really love the flexibility. And there's some of, I'm thinking of the younger pros that they actually feel they have a really good quality of life, uh, with the, the trade-off that poker makes you have between your obligations and your time and everything. And some other people, it's really not for them. They're better fit in a nine to five environment. Yeah, I think it de- it really depends on what you are looking for. There, like you said, there's a lot of young pros that them making thirty dollars an hour playing cards is like, boom, that's exactly what they want. Whereas, like you're settling down, building a family, you know, making thirty dollars an hour, grinding a high stress job, where you know you luckily you set your own hours, but say you want to grind tournaments, you're going to be away from your family. So, yeah, you have to evaluate and make decisions based on. Based on your situation, so. Yeah. We got uh, one more question from Scott that we're going to hit this week. What sorts of jobs do you guys who go bust with the 10-year employment gap end up with? Boom. The reality of poker setting in. Yeah, I I think that that's, again, a very... uh, The question's pretty general, and I think it is, but I think the implications of that are a scary prospect. Um, I know I've had friends that have been chasing playing poker and have not been nearly as successful as, as you chase. And, and it's harder. But I think the one thing that poker uh, teaches you is it teaches you how to be creative. Uh, it should teach you a unique skill set as far as how to critically think through problems. So some of our friends, I won't name names, but like, I know one of our friends from Seattle, he went to work for his mom's business and he's been helping his mom's business uh, grow exponentially like online and and that component of it uh, because he was keeping up with technology while he was playing online. I I think there are opportunities with your skill set, but I think it's just hard to reenter the workforce after you've been off for, for that long. Agreed. I I really have not a lot of experience in this because I, my employment history has been in the casino industry aside from playing for a living. So 
I don't know. I, I the scary thing about my situation is I have not a lot of options if I go broke. So God willing, I never will. Again, I never will again. Let's put that caveat in there. <laughs> I've gone broke plenty of times. Never again. You, you never will this year. Or um, <laughs> take some work this year. Well, and I, I think the truth is, too, uh, to, to be very specific to answer the question, I think a lot of people end up back in the industry. Um, people end up dealing as floors or as even sometimes consultants. Or um, there's a bunch of, you know, a lot of people that have been around poker or casinos for so long, they'll come up with, um, you know, an invention. They'll be like equipment reps for casinos um, because a lot of people, if they're brick and mortar, especially, that's kind of what they know, uh, especially after 10 years. Well, I think our takeaway is uh, take your time getting into poker and make sure you know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely think that's that's spot on. And I, and I think that it's not for everyone. I mean, I, you know, even as I sit and listen to to you and watch you, and the success you're having, like I have a bad session like last night where I, I ended up losing and I'm like, man, this poker stuff's awful. I, I never want to play again um, as I'm leaving the felt. And I just, it's such a, a volatile game and we have limited control. Um, and that's kind of what yeah. the simplistic beauty of it is. But at the same time, it's it's certainly not for everyone to, to try to chase this as a... Yeah, as a, I'll, I'll go on a little no. rant here. There's this weird stigma where... excuse me there's this weird stigma where among good players if you're not like pursuing poker as the like your job or your source of income or to be a professional poker player that you're like a lesser person or that you haven't accomplished anything in poker if you haven't played for a living where i look at these guys that play recreationally and like enjoy poker and like they still put in time to study and get better at poker and they have a nine to five job and they have kids and family and they play like maybe once a week and i'm like man these guys are the true winners in my books like they got the job they got the family they got they get to play poker like whenever they want they don't really have to sweat the money because they're not like taking shots at the biggest games in the casino you know and there's this weird thing amongst the poker community where it's like if you're not shot taking if you're not playing as big as you can if you're not trying to be the best biggest boss on the playground that you're like looked down on where, man, that's the place that most people should be. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and that's, you know, when we were playing at, uh, at Snoqualmie up in Seattle, we, ha- I mean, it was a new casino and there was a lot of people from Microsoft because it was on the east side of, of our state and a lot of people from Microsoft were playing there. And, you know, the average Microsoft employee is making good six figures and we were just grinding and just trying to make it. And I was like, man, these guys and girls are having so much more fun than we are. It's like they're unbustable. You know, they get their ten to fifteen thousand dollar paycheck every month, uh, and we're just sitting here like just trying to to take pennies from them. It was, you know, I, I think that there's some certainly some value for people that that do it that play poker through uh, those means of working a nine to five job, and they truly just enjoy it. You know, and, and it's an outlet for them. And God bless them because it affords people like you a living. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> you, uh, you got some chainsaw work going on around here? I, I do, unfortunately. <laughs> They're doing some landscaping. <laughs> so I, I apologize yeah, for that. Yeah, that's totally fine. Window. No, uh, that's totally good. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. 
okay, last question. This is from Zach, our good buddy, uh, one of my best buddies in the whole world. Zach wrote into the pod. He says, do you think it's possible that some people will run above average their whole lives and some people will run below average their whole lives? What say you, Drew? I, you know, I think it's one of those fun theoretical questions uh, because I think that, well, especially before Internet poker, I think it was likely that everyone was either running was somewhere on the bell curve, either hot or cold. And it was really, really, really hard to get uh, everything to regress back to the mean of where it should be because you just couldn't see enough hands. I mean, the amount of volume you could truly put in was so limited. I think that I think that the nature of this question is, and the simple answer is yes, I think that there's certain people that will just, in certain key hands and certain key spots will run run poorly. Um, and there's certain people, uh, I mean, you can think of a lot of people's World Series runs, the main events, because a, a lot of, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of those, well, a lot of the main events, a lot of the big uh, World Series events are largely televised, so you can actually watch the hands. And you watch certain people, uh, you know, I don't want to just name names, but a lot of well-named, well-known pros that just run so good to get a title, you know, to ship the main event. I mean, I can think of two or three people off the top of my head immediately. And then there's some of us that we we feel, and maybe we do, always end up with, you know, we always hit bottom set over top set in key tournaments, you know, and we're always shipping the like the smaller tournaments where it feels like all of our run good is used up in the smallest things we play. But I think really the defense against that is having a good attitude and realizing that that's not something we can control. Uh, what we control is how we react to those instances and just trying to trying to beat that by volume. Uh, what do you think? Well, I think the nature of the question: Are there some people that run above or below average from hand one of poker? you're either going to be above or below. You never are truly on average. So in that sense, yes, everyone's either above or below. But I think what he's asking is, like, are there the big outliers, the people that run so good or so bad for their entire career or life or poker life? And I think the obvious answer is yes. Is I mean, poker operates under statistics as well, and there's going to be outliers. But... Um, as much fun as it is to think about, I don't think it's particularly um, important or relevant. Maybe the most important thing to consider here is how this affects our bankroll and how these statistical outliers can affect what decisions we make in terms of how much of our bankroll we're putting in play, um, the amount of buy-ins we have for a game, being able to weather the... Uh, the storm of a long, prolonged downswing that everyone who plays uh, for decades is going to run into. So I think maybe that those implications is kind of what Zach's trying to get at here. And I think next episode, we're, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about bankroll and kind of tackling this question of how are we going to weather those storms? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really easy to deal with well, maybe it's not as easy as I think, but I think it's easier to deal with the success part. If you're running good, uh, if you're on that side of the bell curve for six months, a year, a week, a month. And I think most of us have a problem with dealing with the tilt, 
dealing with the, oh God, this is the seventh day in a row I've lost and I, f- I feel like I'm playing okay, you know, it's just so defeating. And I think that's something that's, that's very viable um, to talk about. And I think it's, it'll give us some good material and some good food for thought, um, some good speaking points next week to talk about what do we do when we're running well? How do we, how do we add to our bankroll? How do we withdraw money from it? What do we do also when we're running bad, when our bankroll is getting depleted, when we're playing on our case money, something that you're a level 10 <laughs> expert in or used to be. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, it's great. We'll talk about that next week. Um, we'll also get into the rest of our mailbag, try to get through it. Uh, and I think uh, we'll have some exciting stuff for you, for you folks. Definitely. We cut the mailbag a little short this week. Um, we had KB on, so we didn't have quite as much time as we usually do. So we're going to hit the mailbag. We're going to talk about bankroll. So please uh, mail in your bankroll questions. That would be great to have next podcast. Any other questions, though, email us in. Uh, what do we got? Top2podcast at gmail.com. That's what it is. Yeah. Perfect. So that's going right, to be it. Well- uh, another thanks for KB for coming on the podcast. KB's awesome. Give him a follow if you yeah, guys haven't well, already. We'll have to have him back in a, in a couple months. Uh, the guy's just really entertaining, uh, and I mean a really really good communicator, uh, a contributor to the poker community. Yeah, the guy's good for poker, and we got to hear about Canada. Once he, yeah. once he moves out there. I am joking Perfect. with my dad that we're moving out of this country, moving to Canada once Trump is elected, if Trump is elected. So I might, we might just start our own uh, stream house in Canada once Trump is elected. Nice. Boom. Nice. All right, boys and girls, thanks for listening. Give us a follow. Check us out on social medias. Uh, we're on Twitter at Top2Podcast. So uh, hit the hit all the buttons you need to, and we will catch you guys next time.